0: Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer.
1: Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. I see a lot of visitors this morning, so welcome to Kaya, which stands for College and young adults. Uh, it's not like uh, Spanish for anything special. I don't think any. No, okay. That'd be really interesting. Like if it meant like something really crude in Spanish, it would probably be bad. We might want to reconsider. I'm, I'm Pastor Brandon Briscoe. Um, we're glad that you're here. Okay. Uh, we are going to be in the book of Jonah this morning. So uh, go ahead and start turning that direction. Now, Last Sunday, I kind of surprised everybody by switching gears on you. We were, we've been in Acts for a year, studying the book of Acts, which is the study of the early church, um, what the Bible says took place in that first few decades following Christ's resurrection. And so, we've been looking at that, and we were getting ready to enter into a portion of Acts that deals with the missions movement in that book. And so we're going to see uh, in Acts, we're going to see men ordained and sent out from uh, local churches to go plant new local churches to go and to do missions work throughout the world. And it's going to be really exciting. Um, but we hit pause on that for a very specific reason. And the reason is this first of all, Jonah, the book of Jonah, is uh, a book uh, about uh, a man that they refer to as the missionary prophet. In other words, He's a prophet from the Old Testament who was called to go to another people group to proclaim the message of God, to proclaim a gospel message. Now, I don't know about you, but um, a a lot of times, I think it's really, especially when you're learning, uh, to see a good example, which we're going to get in Acts, we're going to get from from chapter 13 all the way through the end of the book, we're going to get good examples of what it looks like to be a missionary, to follow God, to proclaim the gospel. We're going to get that good example. But I also find it very helpful to, find, to look and, and to find bad examples when I'm, when I'm trying to learn. Who are the people that did it the wrong way? A lot of times, uh, Eve and I will be at the grocery store with our, with our kids, okay? And they're not perfect by any means, but, but follow me in the example. A lot of times, we'll see kids. You see these kids. I mean, I remember in college... And, and, and being young and thinking, everywhere I went, every child was bad. Like, get that kid under control. Because I had no idea what it meant to be a parent, right? Like, every kid was acting up all, all like if they were just talking. Like, what is the matter with that kid? Somebody shut that kid up. You know what I mean? You feel that way? You feel that way? Yeah, you'll get over that. Um, but we'll be out at Target or something like that. Because, you know, places like Target or Walmart are basically hell on earth. Right? You go there, and it's where kids go to act up. Okay? Avoid the toy aisle at all costs. But we'll go, and we'll see these kids acting up. Now, I'll use that as an opportunity to teach my kids. And you know, later on, like maybe we get to the car, or we get outside of that aisle, and I'll lean over. I'm like, hey. You know, I'll lean over to Shepard or Clementine. I'm like, so what was wrong about that situation? Right? And I make them articulate what they saw that went wrong, okay? Uh, And and maybe they'll say, well, their mommy and daddy probably should have disciplined them, yeah, which is usually the right answer. (laughs) right? Uh, Or maybe they'll say something to the effect of um, they should have been more respectful to their parents or something like that will come out, and we'll have a conversation about that because it's always good to see a a bad example. There's learning in that as well, and Jonah, really, he's a bad example to us um, he's a bad example, and we'll talk about why here more in a minute. Another reason that we're, we're looking at Jonah is because a, uh, Jonah is a man who went through temptation and trial. He went through temptation and trial. And in our ministry right now, in, 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 the, in the Kaya ministry, we've seen a lot of temptation and trial over the last couple of months. And for those of you who are, who are familiar with this ministry and you would call this ministry your home, You've witnessed a lot of people struggling. Maybe you are that person. And you've been going through a trial. You've been going through a difficulty. And, and, and the story of Jonah addresses really ultimately how not to react in seasons of difficulty, in seasons of depression, in seasons uh, where it seems like everything is up against you. How not to react. Because almost all the way through the story, Jonah is reacting poorly. And what we discussed... Last week was that Jonah didn't need rescuing from his circumstances. All right, let's talk about those circumstances real quick. If, you know, if you're familiar with the story of Jonah, you know that he goes through an awful storm, which we're going to talk about today. Okay? He, goes through, uh, he gets swallowed by a whale. That's a bad day, or three, right? Three bad days, three really bad days. Okay, And then he also has this situation with the gourd at the end of the story that's really weird that I'm looking forward to addressing. But in all of these these trials and circumstances, he continually uh, reacts the wrong way. And, And the truth is, he doesn't really need to be rescued from his circumstances. He needs to be freed from his aberrant thought life. The issue is his thought life. The struggles that he faced were not physical dilemmas that he found himself in, his true struggle was internal. It, it, the issue was where he let his thoughts and emotions take him in the midst of trial. And We can see uh, for ourselves that, um, that we're a lot like Jonah. Okay, If we look and we assess ourselves, we can often see that we react the same ways that Jonah did. When God draws us into a season of stretching or suffering, or when he asks us to do something that we feel incapable of handling. And I know a lot of you have been, have been dealing with that. It seems like when you're young, especially, and you're growing in your faith, the first few years, I, was, I don't know who, I think I was talking to Larry this week, and I was talking about how your first few years in your faith, where you've decided, look, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, they're always, they're always riddled with both really great highs and really great lows. They're, they're really great excitements. But when you fall, it really hurts. It's a lot like being a baby or a toddler. You know, my daughter Eloise is two, and life is just exciting for her, right? Everything is exciting. She's constantly running around. She's learning to talk. But when she falls, it really hurts. And she has a tendency to make a really big deal out of what I would see as small things. Yeah, someone's holding that toy, and you're not. I feel really bad for you right now. Like, that's how toddlers act, right? And and they they seem to cry and hurt and agonize over things that seem to be somewhat trivial from other people. But you know what? Nonetheless, it hurts. And when you're first starting out in your faith, you have really high highs and you have really low lows. Okay. And the point is, we need to get a proper thought life in order to deal with whatever trial or circumstance or whatever it is that God is asking us to do. We need to be able to deal with that and, and, and get our mind to align with the mind of God. So when our faith and thought process come in conflict with one another, we have a tendency to look like Jonah does. When the thing that we believe, okay, but the things that we want to do come in conflict with each other, we have a tendency to look like Jonah. So we started discussing last week how we need to examine the way that we think when we face seasons of darkness. So this is what we said, and I think it's it's in the slide all of the best and worst moments of our faith begin with our thought life. All of our best and worst moments in Christianity, in living out a Christ-centered existence, whether you're, regardless of your external circumstances, the best life looks like a healthy biblical thought life. No matter what's happening to you, no, whatever, no matter what's going on in your life, the best Christian life is the one that, that concurs with God. Now we saw that Jonah in verse 1 uh, was selfish. Okay, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Sorry, verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. We talked about right there in the story, we don't exactly know what Jonah's problem is. But God's asking him to do something, and he doesn't want to do it. And ultimately what that means is that he is prioritizing what he wants over what God wants, and that's a selfish behavior. Right? And that, that's, that's because his thought life is selfish. His heart did not match the Lord's. He wasn't in agreement, so he chose selfishness over sacrifice. See, we get a choice when we're followers of Jesus. We get a choice. When God asks us to do something that seems hard, or we go through a season that seems really difficult, we get to make a choice. Either we get to go down a a path that that, that says we are the center of our lives, the selfish path, or we get to say, regardless of whether or not I like this, regardless of how hard it is, I'm going to choose the path of God. I'm going to agree with Him. I want His heart to be mine, and regardless of how hard it is, I'm going to go down that path. Now, now, like I said before, I don't want to belittle or undercut the difficulties that you face. I, I, it's, I have no desire to speak directly to your circumstance. If you hear your circumstance arise out of this message, praise God, he's speaking to you. I know that life is hard. I know that God asks us to do things and go through things that are particularly difficult. But ultimately, we have to make a deci- decision to accre- agree and to go with God down that way. And when we do, victory will be had. Blessings will come, and you will will be different for it. You will be better for it. So faith doesn't work if we don't determine to agree with God and love the things that he loves. The other thing we saw Jonah do is we saw him flee, right? So verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with him uh, go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, again, if you want to hear the message, you can go back and listen to it, but what we talked about here is very, very important. A lot of us have a tendency, when, when things get difficult, when the trial comes, to escape. And you know if you're this type of person, right? When when difficulty comes, it's easiest for you to, to to run away. And, and running away in our society looks a lot of different ways. Sometimes running away is shutting things out. Okay, so maybe it's time to, uh, oh, school's really hard and I can't make it to Bible study this week. And so just, hey, I, I love you guys, but I'm not going to be there. And that happens for a few weeks. And then slowly you're escaping. You're making an escape route for yourself. Okay? Or maybe your tendency is to isolate. And so when you come to church, what you do is you sit in the back row, you try not to build relationships with other people's because because if you do, you're gonna get drawn into the thing that you don't want to do. So you isolate and you you separate yourself as a way of protecting your desires. Are you guys following with me? I'm moving pretty fast here because I gotta get to my message. Okay? This is all review. But, but you, I want you to understand that all of us have predispositions in terms of how we act out our selfish behaviors. All of us do certain things. And so some of us, we escape. We, di- we disappear. Some of us isolate ourselves. And, and those things ultimately only bring depression and what we'll see is apathy. And your heart will grow distant from the Lord, and eventually you'll disappear. You'll disappear. The beautiful thing is that we see God go after Jonah, and we'll talk about that later on in our story. Is that you don't really escape, isn't really an option for the child of God. It's not really an option. And so we'll get there later. We're not there quite yet. I'm going to pray because I haven't started preaching yet. And then we'll get in and we'll start talking about this storm that Jonah has to go through. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I love you, I adore you, and I know that sometimes I'm a Jonah. And that sometimes. Uh, Lord, you ask me to, to endure and go through things that, for me, just seem unreasonable. Uh, they seem so off the, the path that I've set for myself. And, 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 Lord, I know that I have a tendency to, to justify walking away. I, I, have, I have tendencies to isolate myself when I know what I really need is my brothers and sisters in Christ. And and what I really need is the church, and what I really need is your word to purify me and to set me on the right course, to realign my direction. And so God, for anybody in this room this morning who's struggling with that way of thinking, for anyone who's made excuses for why they can't abide in the vine for anyone who has worldly justifications for why they can't agree with what the Bible says, Lord, work, work in their heart today. Deliver them from aberrant thinking, from, from false thinking. Lord, they, they might see your book as holy and divine and written. And if we, can, if we can come to agreeance that your son Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again, can we not agree with the whole therein? With everything that the book says, can we not believe that? Show us how. Lord, draw us into that conflict, draw us into that storm. Let us go toe to toe with you, and Lord, please have your way. Well, we love you and we thank you for your grace this morning in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, uh, so, so Jonah has been fleeing from God. And God isn't going to let him get away with that. And so what we see here in verse 4 is that Jonah is on his way to, uh, to, to Tarshish from Joppa and he sets out. In verse 4, God gets in the way. But, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Okay, so a tempest, a storm comes. All right? it comes out into the sea. This is God chasing the man Jonah. Alright? And, and so a storm enters into his circumstance that's intended to draw him back. Now, if you look at storms in scripture, okay, and if you study, if you study, even if you study this, this phrase, a great wind, it shows up three times. It's a great study. Study that out. I don't have time to do that. That's your job. Okay, you go study that. Uh, but what you'll find is that there are two types of storms that enter into the believer's life. Two types of storms. And the first one is is what I'm going to refer to as a storm of consequence. A storm of consequence. This is the type of storm that Jonah faced here in the story. Okay? In Jonah's case, this great wind, the storm of his life, was the byproduct of his decision to contradict God's will and God's heart and mind. The storm came as the result of his his failure to obey God. That's why the storm came. See, sin begets consequence. Sin begets consequence. And we need to understand that in Jonah's worldview, sin was anything that came in conflict with his happiness. And I want you to hear that that worldview actually aligns itself with a postmodern secular worldview as well. In the world that we live in, whether you're a lost person or you're a Christian, this is how we tend to think. Sin or evil or we'll just call it yuckiness. This is how I would refer to it to Clementine, who's not yet saved. Don't you feel yucky right now? Now this is the problem, is that a lot of times the yuckiness that we feel or the sin that we feel we've 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 chosen to define sin by whether or not something makes us happy isn't that that's so jacked up that's such a poor way of thinking about what sin is but Jonah was thinking that way so what what God asked of him was unreasonable believe and do this thing and it was unreasonable to him and so he called it sin For his life, it was sin, and so he ran away. And so some of us think that way. Some of us have been taught to think that way as well. If it's challenging for us, if it's hard for us, if we don't seem capable of it, we call it sin, and then then that's how we justify the escape plan. And so if we start thinking that way, God is always going to send a storm into our life to get us realigned. To draw us back to truth. And, and we gotta recognize that whether or not you define yourself as Laodicean, yeah, I think we have a, we have a sometime, sometimes at Midtown Baptist Temple have a hard time believing that we're actually Laodicean. And whether we are or not, as whether you are as an individual or not, you have a tendency to be Laodicean. Because that call is constantly on your life to live a lukewarm lifestyle. And you'll tend to think that things that don't make you happy are wicked. And that's jacked up. That's jacked up. So here's our first key point. Holiness in the Christian faith has always meant obedience without stipulation. You want to be holy. You want to live a Christ-centered life. You want to pursue God. Listen to me. Holiness in the Christian faith has always meant obedience without stipulations. And I know for a fact there's people in this room right now who want to say that they are Christians, but they have stipulations on God. And so what you've done is you've defined the parameters of what Christianity is to you. And good for you that you've done that. But you are not in right fellowship with God. If you've set boundaries on what you're willing to do, what you are and are not willing to do, then you've put stipulations on God just the same way Jonah did. And in Jonah's case, that justified God sending a storm. So God wasn't willing to let his son run away. So he orchestrated an agent of learning. A trial that was built to, to, to set him free. To break him free from the oppression that he had invited into his life. Now, oftentimes the storms in our lives are simply the consequences of our sin. And some of us have faced those consequences. Maybe it's a physical or financial consequence. You've made a decision that's sinful, and now you're reaping the byproduct of that, and maybe it looks like some sort of physical issue, some sort of physical ailment, some storm that's come into your life. Maybe, maybe it's a financial issue that you've run into because you made bad decisions. Again, I'm just I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here maybe, maybe, that you've got relational consequences, relationships that failed because of bad decisions, things that aren't right with people in your life, family members or friends or people at work because you've made bad decisions. Perhaps for some of you, it's judicial consequence. Maybe you've got a rap sheet. I don't know. I don't know what the consequences have looked like for you, but I know this, whatever the consequence That consequence is intended to discipline us back into agreement with God. And God invites storms into sinners' life to help them recognize the error in their thinking. Hebrews 12.3 says this, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, speaking of Christ, against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son. Despise not thou the, ch- the chastening of the Lord. Now you may or may not be familiar with that word chastening, but that word chastening means discipline. Okay. Think of it as God taking you over His knee, taking you out to the to the tool shed, or is that the phrase? The woodshed. Woodshed. Does anybody have a woodshed? Yeah, you have a woodshed? Oh, wow. We really need to find a different saying. But people don't really discipline their kids anymore, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, We probably don't need that phrase anymore. I'm going to, yeah, so taking your kid out to the woodshed. God does that with us too. I'm hot, sorry. Um, Is it hot in here? It's a little hot. Maybe it's just the word of God. Okay, Eric, I need, your, I need your sweat rag. We all know you carry a sweat rag. Handkerchief. No, I'm good, man. I was joking. Okay, so, so it says, listen, here's, here's the exhortation for us. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. In other words, you know God loves you if he's willing to chase you down and discipline you. You know that God loves you if he's willing to invite a storm into your life. And so you don't have to call that storm evil. If you've been sinning against the Lord, you have to recognize that that storm has been created specifically for you to draw you back to the feet of Jesus Christ. There's another kind of storm, and it's called, Well, I'm referring to it here, a storm of grace. So we have a storm of consequence, and we have a storm of grace. You know, some storms we can't explain. Have you ever been through one of those storms? You can't really explain it. You don't know why it happened. It feels random. seems to have come out of nowhere. Great winds that cause us to look at our lives and ask God, why? Why? Right. That's, the book of Job is about that. I don't know if you ever looked at that book, but that book is about a group of men who are asking the question, why on Job's behalf? Because he looks around and he says, my life seems to have been right. I seem to have been mature before the Lord. Things seem to have been good. I worshiped God. And now I'm facing the trial of my life. In fact, that's where you'll see one of those three phrases, great wind, is in the book of Job. But sometimes we face storms like that. Now, Jonah didn't need to ask why, did he? Jonah was clearly in a storm of consequences, a storm of consequence. He knew what caused his storm. But for many, a storm or a trial can be inexplicable. These storms of grace are unique in that they are not intended to rebuke us, but to refine us and teach us how to better know the grace of God. man, these storms can look so different. Again, God orchestrates storms specifically for you. He sees what you need, and he'll orchestrate a storm that's perfect for the refining that you need. You know, it's a different refining process for a pearl as it is for a ruby. It's a different refining process for a ruby as it is for a diamond. Those things look different, and God orchestrates refinement in different ways for different people in different circumstances based on what it is that you need to learn and grow in. Does that make sense to you? And so, a storm might be weeks and weeks of rain. Do you think initially, like, oh, this is good for the crops? But you get three weeks in, and it's flooding. And it begins to be devastating. Sometimes a storm is quick and sharp. It's a flash flood. And it hurts. And it messes things up. And it causes things to, 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 to flee away from you with immediacy. Sometimes storms are hurricanes. Sometimes they're tornadoes. You hear what I'm saying? Is that a tornado? Do you hear that? <laughs> I think it's an airplane. I want to um, invite uh, my friends... Uh, Nick and Hannah up to talk about. A lot of you guys don't know, but they've been going through a storm. They're one of these people in Kaya right now who over the last really five, six months have gone through uh, a storm in their life uh, that seemed to be relentless. It seemed to have come out of nowhere and they've discovered that it's a storm of grace. And uh, and they want to share this with you and so I'm going to give them an opportunity to do that right now. have to do that for you. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: she's actually going to talk first, so I'll just hold it mouth. Thanks.
2: All right. Good morning. Um, this is a nightmare for me. I'm a high school English teacher, so I do this daily, but they're 14-year-old psychopaths, and you guys are grown adults, so. Um, but let's get into this because we don't have a lot of time. So, back in... Um, in April, Nick and I found out that we were pregnant. And um, this is something we wanted. Um, and then, um, when I was eight weeks pregnant, I had my first miscarriage. And that was really hard. Um, but we got through it. And then, um, at the end of July, I was pregnant again. And then, at five weeks, I had a second miscarriage. And so. Um, I'm not gonna say much about that right now. I'm gonna read from James real quick, because this is the, um, the the verses that I've been sitting in, and then I'm gonna read a poem, and then Nick's gonna talk. So James 1, 2 through um, 7. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so I just ask that you study that out because there's a lot in there. But here's my poem, just real quickly. The context of this is each year I have my students write a poem about where they're from, and each year I also write one. And so um, due to this storm in this season, uh, this is what my poem is. I am from a year, 2019, of hurt, a year of unmet expectations and unknown medical reasons. I am from desires being forgotten and questions of what's to come. I am from questions circling endlessly in my mind until I am feeling overwhelmed. I am from feelings of numbness and hopelessness, feelings that are foreign in my life. I am from tear-driven nights, emotional conversations, and feeling closely knit to my husband. I am from a place of confusion that seeps deep into my bones and creates a constant reminder of this season, a season of loss, five months, two babies. River and Ave, river, the ebb and flow of life, a place to come and drink and be filled. Ave, to, be, to hail, to be well, to be reminded, reminded of the love and comfort from a father who consistently meets me face to face. I'm from a place where it is difficult to discuss any of these things without discussing the Lord too. I am from a place of prayer, belief, and heartache, all wrapped together in one, a place that will ultimately lead me to a plan much bigger than myself or what my expectations so selfishly wanted. I am from a place of peace, even as I walk in sadness and pain, because I know that there is more to come.
0: hey guys okay so uh the reason we've chosen to fill you guys in on this first of all is um, because we love you guys and and because you guys are all family to us Um, so with that being said clearly we're still grieving through this process Um, and and we do ask for your prayers on this matter Um, This has been such a struggle for Hannah and I, Um, and to be honest, if Hannah and I had not been established in the Word of God, um, if we had not believed in the Word of God, I mean we, over these past six months, we've literally fallen back onto the promises of what God has for us, Um, and if we hadn't had that, um, it is hard to say whether or not we'd be here right now. These are the types of trials and and storms that make people walk away from their faith. Um, And, you know, I praise God that we're here right now. Um, We do believe in God's word, but with that being said, no one handles difficult times like this without error. Um, There have been times where um, I've had to sit and watch my wife live out her worst nightmare, um, you know, of having back-to-back miscarriages. And that is also my worst nightmare because seeing the expectations of my wife fall to the ground beyond measure consistently, twice in a row, Um, and being able to do nothing about it. It's been extremely tough and there have been times that I've stopped and I've asked, I've asked God, why are you doing this to us? Oh. And with that being said, um, you know, James, James preached uh, this message, James 5, recently about seasons and about going through seasons and about how if we choose to, we can become stagnant in those seasons. Um, so eventually with time, uh, I began to ask not why are we doing this or why is God doing this to us, but what are you trying to teach us, God? Uh, so with that being said, we have learned a lot in this time. Um, One thing we learned, and Sam Sam preached on it today, is that God's grace is sufficient in times of trial, and uh, yeah, his grace alone is sufficient, and um, we don't Gain and lose God's grace when we're, you know, it doesn't matter how submitted you are one day to God or how you know a month of being totally submitted. The next month isn't promised to be an easy month, right? Um, we are given God's grace at the time of our salvation, and it can be interrupted if you choose to let it be, but it's always there. Um, the second thing that I learned is that God desires, and a good friend of mine brought this to my attention. <laughs> That God desires to see a husband and a wife grow more united in Him, in every trial that He gives them. Um, and and I praise God because Hannah and I have grown much closer in this time, and uh, we feel more purpose now to share Christ with with the people in our lives than we ever did before. Um, Ultimately, guys, what we've learned through this trial, through this hard time, is that we believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. And because of that, we get to have hope every day in our hearts. And I don't know whether or not Christ is ever going to, or God's ever going to let us have a child. I don't know. But um, something that I do know is that Because we are rooted in Christ and not in the things that we desire, we are going to be okay with Christ alone. And guys, I think we all need to ask ourselves that question. If everything that we have is taken from us today, everything we work for, everything we desire but don't have, um, is Christ going to be enough to sustain you? And the answer is yes, it needs to be yes. So that's it, guys. That's all we have
1: That's uh, Nick and Hannah's storm. That's their storm. You've got storms. You've seen storms. Some of you are in storms. Some of you will see storms. They're coming. And the question is, again, and it will remain the question throughout all of, of Jonah, is will you or will you not get your thoughts and your heart in alignment with God's. And you can see how it would be very easy for Nick and Hannah to not do that. It would be very easy from a worldly perspective uh, to be fighting and and kicking against their circumstances. Uh, They're full of faith. They're full of faith, and they're resolved that no matter what happens, they're going to continue to follow God. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that testimony, and I'm, I'm grateful for uh, their courage to share it. For Jonah and his shipmates, they chose the path of broken thinking. And so as we come to the end of our message, I want to point out a couple things. So here we have a group of lost men being tossed about on a boat, and they're, and they're riddled with fear. Okay, so Jonah's on a ship. He's not the only one. There are mariners. There are people with him that are in charge of that boat. And they, these are lost men, and they're, they're faced with the same trial that Jonah faces. And we're going to talk a lot about this in the coming weeks, but let's look at verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid. They were afraid and cried, every man his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. So these guys are lost. They're lost men. And the way that they're reacting, though, isn't much different than the way that Christians react when they face storms, when they're getting tossed to and fro. There's something to be learned here. There's no greater way... and. I, this is the, I guess this is the major point I want to make before we, before we go. There's no greater way to test the thought life of a Christian than to watch them in the midst of a storm. Right? You might be familiar with this phrase, but, but when you get squeezed, we learn what's going to come out. We learn what's inside. When you get squeezed, we find out what you're made of. I'm looking at David. He ate a grapefruit for the first time last week. <laughs> You didn't know what was inside that strange citrus thing. And you cracked it open, and was it, was it good or bad? Bitter and, sweet. Bitter and sweet. Ooh, there's a message in that. When you get squeezed, it shows you and everyone else what is inside. And when trial comes, fear and dread for many people are the natural response And it makes us do desperate things. And so these men, what do they do? The mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. And this is what we're going to come back to when we come back into this message. But I want to point something out. These men seek two different things. The first thing is they cry unto their God. And what they do is they look for false security. They seek false security security emotional security they trust their impulse and they look for false modes of safety and security they do one other thing it continues on it says and they cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them they they seek false stability they seek false stability physical methods intended in their own own working, in in their own fighting, in their own intention to make that boat buoyant and stable again. And that's what we're going to talk about the next time we come together. So as we close, I want to invite the worship team up. And I want to ask you a question. Okay, so as we close and as we worship, this is usually the part of our service where you get to self reflect. And you get to ask yourself whether or not you've been responding to trial the right way. Have you been, like, we know that the trial's coming. Maybe there's a past trial that you responded poorly to. Maybe you're in that trial. Maybe you know you need to set your heart right for trials to come. Whatever it may be, as the the storm settles over your life, we're going to know what you're made out of. We're going to find out whether or not your faith is real. We're going to find out whether or not you're going to escape or isolate or find your own methods or or, or seek some sort of false security and false things that you worship from day to day. We're going to find those things out. And so I think right now is a good time to resolve in your heart that no matter what comes, no matter what you face, you're with God. You're going with God. You're going the hard but right way. Because you recognize one thing, that the one that died for you, the one that created all things and died for you and rose again, is worth it. Is worth it. And he is your deliverer. And He will set you free. But you have to set your mind and your heart on Him. So let's pray. And as we do, we'll we'll enter into worship. And it's time for us to work, to respond. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that a story that for many of us, we thought was just a a children's story. We We thought this story was something that we learned about a long time ago, and that's the story that they teach kids. And it was almost like myth. It's like myth in our heart. Whether we believe that intellectually or not, we thought Jonah it wasn't for us. But Lord, Jonah and his story is for us. It's for us, and we're learning things from it. And God, I pray that you would use it to provoke us to right thinking, to settle our minds, to determine in our heart to pattern ourselves in a way that is disciplined before you, that is resolved to follow you, even when things are hard, even when we lose loved ones, even when we lose our job, even when our grades aren't what we think that they should be, even when depression seems to come out of nowhere and enter into our lives and create darkness and drive us to isolating places drive us out into the wilderness Lord you see us and you're with us you're calling you're calling out to us and you want us to see you in the storm and you want to draw us into the shore and I pray that we would have the patience and the surrender necessary to go with you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word.
0: For more information about Kaya, for service times, and information about our disciple making ministry, please visit our website at l i v.